Welcome to the Human Conversation Podcast with Jules White, the real dragon slayer, author and entrepreneur sales coach. Tune in weekly for Human Conversation about business and sales. Enjoy business expert interviews, educational episodes and virtual cuppers with entrepreneur business owners. So grab yourself a cuppa and enjoy. Here is your host, Jules White. So welcome everybody to The Human Conversation. I've got a real treat for you today. This is so exciting. I have got a lady with me who is a dragon slayer. How amazing is this? And I have to build up the excitement here because I'm probably more excited than anybody to talk <laughs> to this lady. She's called Emmy Faust. She is now a business growth consultant. So this is a really important bit about what she's doing now. And we are going to talk about that. But actually, we're also going to take you on a journey of what it's like to be in Dragon's Den because we are going to exchange our experiences. But first of all, Emmy, welcome to The Human Conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, it was great to meet you recently and to share our stories about both being on Dragon's Den and it was you who inspired me to kind of start talking about it more and to share my story. So thank you. Yeah, it was really good. We met on LinkedIn, you know, one of those uh, typical connections where we clearly felt that we'd got shared values. There was a little bit of energy there that was there's really good between us. We had a virtual cuppa and then all of a sudden realized that Emmy had been on Dragon's Den in quite a spectacular way, which you're going to find out about. I had too. And all of a sudden we said, we need to talk about this. Um, and of course, Emmy hadn't actually really been talking about Dragon's Den, had you, Emmy? Yeah, I hadn't been talking about it because, I will talk about it in a minute, but because, <laughs> probably because it failed, the business ended up failing. And I think when you put yourself out there and you go on TV and then it fails and everyone's constantly asking you how it, um, how it is or how it w went, go, you know, how it's going, it does feel a bit embarrassing. So I kind of like, for me, it was something that happened in the distant past, and I do kind of remember it and think I did learn some lessons from that. But, yeah, I've never kind of thought to talk about it, which is quite interesting. So meeting you definitely did inspire me. And you're right, because I think, you know, we're going to have a chat about our experiences, which we actually haven't had that chat yet. We said we'd do it together on your podcast, straight Video. Um, so, yeah, this is going to actually be the first time that we talk about our kind of experiences of it all. Yeah, it's great. So I kind of thought, let's start... At the beginning because I guess the beginning for me was an advert popped up on my computer screen saying we're looking for applicants for Dragon's Den and I filled in the form uh, and that was that was how my journey started Emmy and the form I filled in at half seven in the morning and by nine o'clock the BBC had called me so look let's start with where did it start for you let's just work our journeys together <laughs> well for me I loved Dragon's Den, the program, and I used to watch it a lot, and I kind of wanted to find out if it was real, and if it all kind of was this process that, you know, actually people came on and pitched, and so I thought, well, I'm just going to apply, you know, just for the sake of it, so I went to apply, and I kind of was like, this isn't ever even going to get through, we're not going to get accepted, so I don't even think I was taking the application that seriously, but I was kind of, because we had this business, 
Um, we didn't actually ever think about getting investment for it, but I thought I'll use that business because we um, could definitely have done with some some investment. And also, I think it validates the idea, so it's quite nice. You know, if if the dragons are saying this is a great idea, um, then that's definitely a positive thing, isn't it, to know that you're kind of moving in the right direction. So anyway, I applied, probably similar to you, I kind of got a call back, I think, relatively soon, and they said they wanted to talk more. And it, because it was an online um, comparison for online bingo and, and other gambling, you know, poker and uh, sports betting, they wanted to talk about that because they didn't know about, you know, whether that was the right thing. And we, we just kind of explained to them that everyone has got the right to play the national lottery. Everyone's got the right to play online bingo. Everyone's got the right to go to the cinema. People have got the right to put a bet on their favorite football team. And, you know, so we couldn't understand why that would stop us going on the program. Anyway, we then went to meet um, the team at the BBC. Did you have to do that? Did you have I to go? Went, I went to London uh, the day after the call. Oh, and wow. I had to do a pitch to camera. It was like a little meeting yeah. room. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like a tiny little room. Yeah. Like, they literally called us up and we were like, we didn't have anything. So we, we, I just remember we managed to knock up these like big white boards with um, kind of like some graphics of what the website would look like. I mean, we already had the website up and running. Um yeah, and we pitched to these uh, BBC people. And then I think it was very soon after that they said, you're going, you're going on. We're like, gosh, you know, I'd kind of applied just because I wanted to see if it was real and if it was happening. Um, I valued, I, I said I wanted 200 grand because I just put a random amount in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I realized that, you know, the business needs to be valued at 2 million quid because we asked for 10% of the business. Well, the reality is, is that wasn't a bonkers valuation because a lot we've got some two friends who've sold their businesses in that space, similar things for way, way more than ten million quid. We weren't totally way off on the valuation, but we didn't have um, any traction at that point. We'd got customers and we sort of got traction, but we hadn't, you know, we weren't making loads and loads of money. So it was a bit of a ballsy um, valuation. I think it was one of those valuations of this is how it could be given that the online bingo industry was booming. Then after that, they said, you're coming on. And we're like, okay, wait, but you know, you've got to know all your figures and da, da, da. So, I mean, I love my figures. I did economics, accounting um, and law at uni and um, I love all of that kind of stuff. So when I put that valuation on, um, it was totally random, but it wasn't a bad one because when I did all the figures, it actually added up to two million quid. And <clears throat> I must have got a bit of a photographic memory because I managed to remember all of these figures for three years, all the profit margins, the revenue, the da da da. Um, and we only probably finished it the day before the filming. I have to just tell you, Emmy, I found your episode. Oh my um, gosh, did you? I haven't watched it. I haven't I watched did. it. I did. I did. I found your episode. And the thing is, you can't find my episode, which is wonderful, but I found yours. And I did watch your pitch. And the way you reeled your figures off was absolutely superb. And and I was the same. I'd got, I'd remembered what my figures were each year for the three years. You know, I knew what my turnover was, what my profit would be. They were mad figures that were nowhere near for, for what I did but they were still these predicted figures that I'd worked out and thought were possible, you know. So I was like you, I was able to deliver those figures really confidently. Mm. 
but your figures were probably more realistic than mine. <laughs> well, I don't know because, like I said, we hadn't made any money. Um, I was just working back from the valuation I'd given, but then I also was working with um, my industry knowledge and with the little bit of traction that we were getting and seeing that we were already starting to see these kind of amounts of money. But like you said, you know, most businesses are putting together financial projections based on their best you know estimates based on what they can find from the market based on what other people are doing you know it's when I help clients um do financial forecasting things it's none of it's given is it it's and that's the risk that the investors are taking so you're saying you know I I think that this is where my business could go if everything goes really well so tell us about um you, you get the invite to be on the show yeah um what happened to you next? Because for me, we were given a date and then the night before we were put in a hotel overnight. Uh, see, we weren't because we live in London. We had to get there at seven in the morning. So we were first people there. And then they put us in that green room, don't they? You know that room where. And um, we were the last people to be seen. We were there all day, which sounds awful, but actually it's brilliant because that's when I learned all my stats. Real, Just literally sat there reminding myself of everything so I think if I hadn't had that time I probably wouldn't have rattled off all the figures so well um and I remember talking to the producer and sort of saying gosh you know as we're about to you know when they called us on I think it was like half six I think there was two of us left in the green room and they said there's only gonna be one more and I'm like oh no can't I don't this that was like 12 hours of waiting and then it, they suddenly were like you're on I'm like oh my gosh I'm not ready for this um, is that what happened to you? Yes. Did you have to wait long? So what happened to us? We were really lucky. So we, uh, same as you, except we stayed in a hotel, obviously, because we were from outside London. So we stayed at the hotel. We were picked up at seven o'clock by a car from the hotel, mm-hmm. taken to the filming place, which was very secretive. So nobody really told us where that was. This car took us there. Yeah, I can't remember where it was. In the middle, it was like in the middle of nowhere, wasn't it? It was East London, I think, but it was like a disused warehouse type yeah. of environment. And then we were put in the green room, just like you. But in the green room, chatting to people, some people had been there three days. Mm. So they'd yeah. had to keep coming back, like you said. Anyway, we got taken to makeup at 10 o'clock in the morning. So lucky because we really didn't have to wait when you think about I it. I don't remember having makeup. Mm, yeah, I don't remember. I mean, I don't really wear makeup, so but I wonder if they did. I can't remember. I they probably they probably did just because of the whole TV thing. Yeah, you tend to just have to have a little bit of something. Yeah, it's very bright like, in there, wasn't it? Yeah, not look like you're dying, really. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you probably were, probably felt like you were like, ah, this is yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, we finally got on, and I remember, I think they took us on a little buggy from where we were to, you know, the studios or wherever they were filming it. And I remember saying to the producer, I was really scared. She was like, don't be, because you know so much more about your business than they do. So you're never, you know, the industry knowledge that you've got and what you've been doing um, and your knowledge of customer acquisition and all those other things, She's just and your knowledge of digital, which at the time, you know, this is in 2005, you know, we were at the forefront of digital, and we had a lot more um knowledge than than most people so she was just like don't be scared you're gonna be absolutely fine um and yeah then we got in into the den and we both had to climb the stairs we just need to tell the listeners that yeah you had to climb the stairs didn't you yeah it was very hot I remember that I remember my business partner really struggling with the heat it was very hot very um bright 
I think if I had to do it again, I probably would have like passed out or worried that I was going to pass out. Like now I get worried about those kind of things, having had babies and all this thinking, oh my God, am I going to pass out? But I, I wasn't worried about that then. I was just like, I'm going to do this. I am going to do it. I was like, whatever happens, I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, Who were your dragons, Emmy? Gosh, so there was Deborah Meaden, Peter Jones, Theo, and I think James Kahn, but I can't, can't quite remember. Yeah. Is that what you had? Yeah, no, that's who you had because I watched your. Oh, did you watch it? <laughs> you had another. You more about it than me. Oh, yeah, um, you had another dragon though, didn't you? Watch that. Theo, Peter, Deborah, James yes. Khan, uh, Duncan Bannon. Duncan Bannon. Yes. Was it Duncan yes. Bannon? I think he was still on there by then. Yeah. yeah. I love the way that you know more about this. <laughs> you could just tell the story. No, no, I can't because I wanted oh. your story and what it was like. Oh, no. My friend just said to me today, "Oh, you're such a dark." course I'm going to try and find the video and I'm like no you're not I, I honestly haven't watched it um since I don't know why it's just embarrassing isn't it watching yourself back and thinking oh my gosh and well, it, it's it depends because I think yeah obviously there's a bit of embarrassment sometimes when I watched mine I just thought to myself oh my god you know some of the things I said and I had a quiver in my voice because I was so nervous you know so I I could see all those little quirks that maybe other people wouldn't see. But actually, I, I know that I can tell you that I was in front of them for two and a half hours, and they actually then put 14 minutes of that into the programme. So what about you? Oh, we were there for a long time, and I think we hardly got any coverage in the programme. I think that was partly, obviously, because what it was, the online comparison sign. Um, but we were in there for a long time. I remember my poor business partner getting really hot and having to sort of go and wipe his face down and we're sort of like thinking do they do that just to make you you know to sort of I don't know make it even more build up the excitement and the intensity even more um but yeah it was a long time and then they didn't show very much at all I don't know how long it was because you know um they don't tell you do they and you're sort of in there for a long time yeah but yeah it was quite a long time I think if you're going to get investment you're going to be in there for quite a long time because they're going to give you a grilling yeah, I think so. And I think you probably were the same as me because also they just film it all and then they cut it up. So what happened then were things like, I knew I'd said other things that were really good and yeah. then I cut them out, Emmy. I'll tell you what I did. I basically got the board that I had that was like behind me with all the, with the pictures on it and I said, I'll show you. And I flipped the board over on the thing and I got my pen and I basically did this massively complicated equation of saying this is a cost per acquisition for this, this is the customer lifetime value for this, times up by 12, times up by 100, times up, and out popped the value, 2 million quid, and they were like, wow. And I was like, that was actually like probably the bit that sold it to them. Um, but yeah, we didn't see any of that. <laughs> I think that's why I wanted to be Carol Vorderman, you know? <laughs> yeah. I did actually want supply to be Carol Vorderman. Did you? Um, yeah, but they totally blanked me off. But I like that kind of thing. But I think the other thing about it for me was that um, I had, uh, my dragons were Rachel Elner, who was the Red Letters Days lady. Oh, yes. Remember I, her? Yeah. yeah. So that was one. Then I had uh, Doug Richards, who was the American guy. Who yeah. never, ever smiled. Mm. Ever. Okay. Um, then I had Duncan Bannantyne, who was fabulous. He was very fun and he was really sweet to me. Even yeah. He actually went out and didn't invest. He was just very sweet and supportive. Then I had Theo and then I had Peter. Um, but the interesting thing was that Rachel Elner was heavily pregnant when I went into pitch. So there she was. Mm. I was in a baby business, Emmy. Yes. Heavily pregnant. I'm thinking, 
I'm in here. I'm in. Yeah. Um, and actually, she was a day off losing her business, and Peter and Theo were buying her business from her because she was she was finished. Red Letter Days was finished, and and I didn't know that at the time. So she never ever went out, and she never she never said I'm out in the whole of the filming. And they cut it in later, where it said I'm out. And that was really? cut in after I, I wasn't there when that was cut in. So that was really interesting. And the other thing was Peter had had a baby six days before I pitched. Amazing. And I never knew. Wow. <laughs> did, he, did he tell you when you were on there? No. Um, uh, I found out, um, actually, I think when we finished filming and, and we cut, Theo said uh, across, he said, uh, it's because he's, he's just had a baby like that. And Aww. so, and he obviously was the one who invested and I shook hands with Peter. So, so what happened for you with the dragon? So did they go out in the order that... I remember Deborah was very nice and she kind of said, look, I really, you know, because we already had a successful business that we'd just set up the year before, a digital media agency. And it only been going a year, but we'd done really well. And they wanted us to share our figures and stuff on that which I was always really worried to talk about that because I didn't want anyone to see it um, not that we were doing amazing well but I just didn't want yeah that's like confidential information yeah. they were asking us for all this stuff and I was thinking I hope they don't show it which they didn't um but Deborah said look you know I really rate you both it's not for me can't remember what Peter said um I can't remember what the others said um I just remember Theo saying you know expressing interest I think he knew that you know we're on to something and I, I imagine that he was also interested in learning more about digital yeah and that investing in a digital business is was going to be a way for him to to learn more I mean I don't know why he invested um exactly um but yeah so we were in there a long time pretty much everyone said no there wasn't any kind of fighting over us or anything so I think at that point I was kind of thinking oh, we, we, it wasn't going to happen and then Theo said I'll give you 200 grand for 30% or something like that. Well, what happened was, because uh, I've obviously only just... Oh, yeah. so this is just to remind you. Oh, can you tell um, you? They, they basically uh, did go out, but then Theo said, well, I am actually interested, but I'm going to offer you £200,000, but um, I'm not going to do that for your 10%. You need to make it a better offer. And he made you go away to the wall at the back and come back with the offer that you wanted to give him for the money. And he said, that's your final offer. That's the only chance you've got. And when you came back, you said 25%. And he looked at you and he said, I'll give you one more chance. Go back and try again. And then you came okay, back. Okay, so that's good. So I was fighting. I was fighting with the 25%. But it's interesting that he said you got one chance and then he made me go back in. Yeah, um, exactly. I so that was interesting. I'd forgotten that. Thank you for reminding me. No, that's okay. I, think, I just think it's an interesting part of the story because it obviously would have happened because it was on the film. Um, and sometimes we don't always remember all those little intricacies of, of doing this. It's a long time ago, Emmy. But that was really interesting the way he did it because usually they'll say, I'll give you the money, but I'll only give you X percent. Whereas what he did is he sent you away to tell him what percentage you wanted to give him. And I think I, I know why he did that because if we came back and said 25 or 30%, then we'd be happy with that. You know, whereas if he came in and said 40%, we'd be like, okay, we'll take the money, but we're not happy. Exactly. Um, and I think he wanted us something really happy. And then I remember everyone was just like, brilliant, brilliant, well done, well done, guys. You were really good. That was really good, brilliant, good luck. Boom. And then you're kind of like, oh, it's, it's over. And then I don't know really what happened after that. You don't actually do the deal, do you, for a while? 
No, so what happened to us is we went out the back door, literally out the back door of the building. Yeah, so did we. Into a black cab um, and off home. Um, And I was with my husband at the time. He's not my husband anymore, but he came with me and he came up for a moment on the film. And we sort of sat in the back of this cab and and I just looked at him and I just went, we might be millionaires. What did you get? How much did you, what did you um, go for? I got 75,000. Because like you, I hadn't, the business had been running, I think, well, this business had been running about two months. Wow. You know, nothing, nothing to speak, Emmy. I turned over 2,700 quid and it was really Yeah, that, that was what we'd done. Products, yeah. you know. So to sit in the back of that cab and know that Peter Jones had sh- shaken hands with me and, and given me 75 grand, it was a real moment, you know, quite surreal. Yeah, I remember, fe- exactly, I remember that feeling really surreal. I was like, wow, this is actually real. Yeah. Um, it's not just a... A made-up program. It, it is real. It does happen. I think I was really shocked. I mean, we were totally not expecting to get investment. Nor was I. Nor was I. I was actually doing it for. I wasn't just doing it for fun. That sounds that trivializes it all. I was doing it because I was really interested to see how it all worked. And clip, of course, if someone offers to invest in your business, then that's amazing. Um, but I totally wasn't expecting it. I mean, I wonder how many people go on actually thinking they will secure the deal because I think a lot of people I think that doesn't feel it feels like it doesn't happen that often when you're watching it so I think you almost think or did you know did you were you were you confident I don't think we were that confident about getting investment no and I definitely wasn't I just had Sam who was five months old I was still in mummy bubble you know and I honestly I can't even tell you it was so surreal but then like you say there was this big gap because we talked about this in the virtual cuppa, hadn't we? When yeah. We had. There's this great big gap. We filmed in the May, and then we didn't hear from Peter's people till September. Wow. Well, I wonder what they're doing during that time. I can't remember the amount of time for us, but it was quite a long time. But I remember us saying that we wanted to check that we still wanted to do it. We still we we still wanted to do the investment, and that we wanted to meet up with Theo, and we ended up going out for dinner with him because um, we just wanted to check that it was the right decision for us yeah. um so yeah it, it it did take I think you almost think well I almost thought you just get the money and boom you've got them helping you but I think there's a lot of due diligence isn't there yeah that they're doing yeah on you and your business and they've probably got so many other things going on as well with all their other investments this is just one you know yeah one little bit really in the big picture um, I mean, certainly for my business, it had hardly been running, so there wasn't massive due diligence to do. It was more about, I think, what contract they wanted to offer me and mm. putting that together. And when, when it came through, my solicitor just said to me, I didn't sleep last night because I don't want you to sign this. It's not a good deal, so please don't. And um, oh, what, what did they put in it that was different to what well, you... Well, I think part of it was that it was a loan that had to be paid back as opposed to having investment in the business. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's totally yeah. different. Yeah, and there was another element of it which was around salary, so whether I could actually pay myself, and I couldn't pay myself till we made profit. And, of course, sometimes that takes a while to, to do, so that was also going to be really quite tricky for me not to take a minimum of something out of the business, you know. So, um, so yeah, in the end, we, we didn't sign. Oh, you didn't sign? No. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought you um, I thought you signed and then you got the money and then it failed afterwards, but you just didn't no. sign. I didn't sign. I, I then took another business partner 
And then I grew the business. So the business after three years was was really successful. But um, I needed more cash because I hadn't done some of the things that I should have done, which is where your expertise would have come in, Emmy. Um, exactly, and- helping people to spend their money wisely. Exactly, exactly. And so where we hadn't put in those foundation bits, when we suddenly had this growth and this success, we were a victim of our own success. We couldn't handle because we didn't have stocks, we didn't have systems, we didn't have enough people in the business. Mm, I totally get it. I mean, I see that with my, um, with, you know, clients that I've worked with or that people that I talk to is actually, you know, if they're doing really, really well, um, that can sometimes be a problem because you've got to have, you, you've got suppliers that you've got to pay. You might be waiting for your customers' money to come in. There's, there's always that, there's always that. And, and I'm very, um, cause of my kind of, accountancy background I suppose at uni look I'm not a qualified accountant but I'm very into like numbers and figures and and we actually when we had one of our businesses we had a um client going under owing us 100 grand and we had 80 grand's worth or 90 85 grand's worth of supplier invoices to pay against that and obviously we didn't want to not pay our suppliers but we didn't get paid so we did pay our suppliers but that meant we were 85 grand down and that was like a very good lesson. And now, and, and in fact, with our other business, everyone prepaid us. So we had all their money. So that wasn't yeah. a problem. Yeah. But that's been a really good lesson because I think cash flow and getting people to pay you and all those, with our first business, we had no cash flow problems because all our clients prepaid us. So that was mm-hmm. fine. You know, maybe that's one of the reasons there's a success. But, but, you know, you learn all these things, don't you? Like you, yeah, you do. do. Tell us the rest of the story from Dragon's Den from your perspective then. You obviously got the deal with Theo. I take it that investment did go ahead different. Yeah, time. yeah, we got the 200 grand. So that was good. Um, we needed to move offices and Theo had offices in Wimbledon. So we, I think he wanted us to move in next door to him. So we ended up moving our office and our media business into his next door office. So that was interesting, helped him um, hire, find someone for his e-commerce business, a digital person. You know, we became, we, uh, one of CEO's right-hand men, um, you know, we were quite, Kip Crossy was called, we were quite um, sort of connected with him. And obviously we had them next door, so that was good. But we didn't see much that much of CEO. Um, we had board meetings and things like that. But yeah, he was around. I mean, he knew, obviously, you know, we had a relationship. Mm. Um, but the main thing was the money that we got. Mm. Um, and then, obviously, we put a plan in place to spend that money, and we hired three people, and we hired agencies, and we spent money doing the website. And, um, you know, you can rattle through that money quite quickly with our marketing and the agency that we were using and three staff we had. We had three. Um, I, I used to love taking on placement students and grads and kind of train, tra- training them up, and every year we'd take, placement students from Bournemouth Uni who were really good doing a marketing degree they'd come and work for Gaming Alerts or they'd come and work in our agency and then when they left uni they'd come and join us and they were really we'd already checked them out they were brilliant they checked us out it was kind of really and they loved coming back so we had three um, placement students working for us creating content doing Twitter and we had an agency doing our SEO um, but we managed to get through the money I can't remember how long we had the business that it lasted because it did fail. And the reason it failed, which is very sad, is that we were using um, some outsourced agencies to help us with some marketing, including um, an SEO agency. SEO was this kind of dark art, and there was people making a lot of money from it. 
especially in the gambling industry that we're in. And um, we hadn't realized that what our agency was doing wasn't probably what Google liked. And Google penalized the site and it lost its rankings by 50. So we used to rank number one for gala bingo and lots of things. Wow. And it's, overnight we lost all of our traffic and all of our income. And we still had people to pay and staff and marketing costs and you know we were sure that this would all be rectified in two months three months it would all come back don't worry um you know you'll go and sort out all your the issues with google and it will come back but it didn't mm. and then i remember we tried to rebrand it under a different name so we changed it from gaming alerts to online gaming alerts and it's just like it was just like flogging a dead horse you know it just wasn't going anywhere and the money was just being you know six months of that and you've wasted 60 grand in salaries and all the other stuff marketing costs and the the office itself the office itself was a huge cost I mean the office itself was like 10 grand a month and which we split between the two companies so actually that was obviously another big cost and you know before we had very cost efficient offices but because we moved Wimbledon to this massive service office it was so expensive um and then yeah so that basically was a big realization that this is kind of like not got much more legs so then we decided to um launch an online bingo site in spain because apparently you know it was online bingo is very popular in kind of scandinavia and various other territories and that were slightly behind the uk and that we were going to go with scandinavia um and then we were advised to go with spain and that kind of bombed as well i can't remember why i think it was kind of all around well it's probably around the recession then wasn't it yeah 2009 wasn't it and 2008 yeah and i think we just realized at one point that we're kind of flogging a dead horse enough's enough we had 40 grand in the bank and we said to theo take the money back have it for your foundation and you know we'll all leave on a on a good note having Mm. learned a good lesson Mm. um so that's what we did and you know we did have another successful business that we were running at the time um so that was good but obviously it's not nice is it to put your heart and soul into something and also to put yourself above the parapet and go on tv and in retrospect it's kind of like you know is that a good idea well it's a good idea if you get all the investment then you have a very successful business and you're like you are the the shining example of how it all works but um you know, everyone always used to say, how's it go, the Dragon's Den thing? How's it been? You're like, oh, that's failed or that didn't work out. And they're like, why? And you're like, oh, no, I don't have to tell you the story again. I mean, I think that's why I don't talk about it because I've probably been asked by, you know, all my friends at the time, like no one, none of my new friends from like the last 10 years would probably know about this, but um, all my old friends would know and they still kind of laugh. We still kind of laugh about it, but not really very much. We don't, this is the first time I've kind of talked about it for so long. Yeah, but Emmy, I think, I think, you know, putting it all in perspective, I think the key thing about talking about it now is actually about the fact that you were at that younger age, because we were both much younger back then, you more so than me, um, but we were prepared to step in front of those dragons and passionately tell them about the business idea that we had. Yeah, and that's massive. And there's yeah. a lot of people who think that's the bit that's the inspiring bit. It's not the bit about really, did it work? Why did it fail? What did you do wrong? That's not the bit that people are actually inspired by. They're inspired by the fact that you actually stepped up and mm. you put yourself in that position in the first place, which is pretty awesome. It's yeah. amazing actually, because talking to you, you know, since we first spoke, I was talking to a sort of 
content specialist, copywriter, who's brilliant. And she was saying, I just don't know your story. I don't know your background. I can see you've done all these amazing things, but I don't know your background. She's like, tell me about it. So we had two and a half hours and she was like, right, you need to talk about these things. Well, one of the things she pulled out was Dragon's Den. Another one was that I'd gone to work at Google and I was really unhappy and I'd had to leave. Um, lots of things. And I suppose I was looking at you actually and thinking, you know, you've you done your TEDx talk and you're a speaker and you obviously go and talk about all your experiences and that's what makes it interesting. That's mm -hmm. why people want to listen to you. And for a long time, I've wanted to share what I know and share what I learn in with lots of people. Um, I love helping people, but I've always thought, my, it's so boring, what would I talk about? <laughs> and now I realize that if I'm happy to talk about those things, that is what people want to talk here. You know, they probably want to hear that I've been on Dragon's Den. They want to know all that. And actually, I can pull in all my business knowledge and my learnings for them in a more exciting story. It's yeah. interesting that it's taken me four to 17 years to realize that that would be a good story. It's definitely a good story. And I think as well, when you tell that story, what you don't tend to do is uh, stay on that moment where it failed. What you do is you'll tell people that bit. I praise you. You know, this, this business partner, I needed it more investment. She was prepared to put it in for 75% of my business. I said no, because that meant I lost all control of my business and I'd be working for her and I couldn't understand why I would put myself in that you know, position. She closed my business down into administration, bought it back and continued to run it practically the next day. Now, that's the bit, right? I don't talk about that anymore because now what I want to tell people is about what I did next and how I got back up and my bounce back ability. And that's the same for you. How yeah. Did you get back up after this. What did you do next? What did you learn? You know, and, and that's the bit that's special about you. Mm. Well, it's interesting because having chatted to you on our last um, virtual cuppa, as you say, I basically did a post for my LinkedIn newsletter about what the five things I learned from failing on Dragon's Den. So I did learn a lot. Um, and I, a lot of those things that I've learned, I've taken to my business consultancy, you know, going forward. Um, but also I think I was kind of lucky that we had a the successful business on the side. So even though this one failed, it wasn't like the end of everything. I had to totally pick myself up and, you know, I did have a business partner and I did have another business and that was successful. So we just carried on with that, carried on to continue finding new opportunities, carried on to you know, do <clears throat> what I love doing. Um, so I think that I was definitely lucky in that it wasn't my, you know, it wasn't my only thing that I was focused on and that failed and then I was kind of left thinking, what am I going to do next? Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, it does, obviously, and I've, I've had, a, you know, I've had another um, situation where I set up a business and I had to kind of let it go and I won't go into details about it. But, you know, when that happened, um, you do feel you know, it's something that you really passionately believe in or you really want to happen. And it does feel, you know, it's not great, is it? But no. but then we come out the other side and I just know that what I've learned over the last 17 years of having all these ups and downs and getting through depressions, um, depressions, recessions, sorry, <laughs> depressive, depressive recessions, yeah. <laughs> going through recessions, going through selling our business and merging a business and the failure of Dragon's Den and then having babies. And I was saying to my husband the other day, you know, having babies in amongst your career, it's like you have to almost restart it every time. Yeah. You know, um, so all those things have showing me the kind of work I want to do, which is, you know, having done that gambling stuff, which I really wasn't passionate about and I kind of really hated. Um, 
but I did it and I was young and I was 25 and you know that was just I kind of got into that industry and that's how it was now I've made that active decision about the kind of brands I want to work with the kind of founders that I want to help I know where my values lie and I know where I can add value yeah and I think that's um really important yeah it's really important and I think you know we how would you know that if you hadn't traveled that journey that you've traveled you know I always think this and I'm sort of grateful in some ways of some of my failures because I think it's made me a better person at the other side I just literally did a post um on I was on a podcast and we were talking about the courage that I've had to have in my business journey and you know Dragonstone came up and Google came up and various other bits and I said you know I and I actually said I am grateful for those failures because I am because I've learned a lot. Now I want to talk about what you're doing now because this is a beautiful way to kind of bring this conversation to a conclusion. So tell us what you do now, Emmy. So now um, I've got four kids um, who are age ten and under, and because of that, and having you know had my own businesses and doing a little stint at Google, I realised that what I want to do is something that I love at the level that keeps me excited and uses my brain where I'm challenged but also something that fills me with joy and allows me to see my children and so you know consultancy is what I do I'm not I never know exactly how to describe myself because I'm not a traditional business growth consultant I have set you know a lot of business growth consultants haven't set up scale sold businesses or secured investment I've done all of those um I've got this expertise in digital and I love digital and I love helping founders of digital businesses to scale or um, I've got a client at the moment who is a traditional publishing business, very great brand and they want to grow their um, online digital offering so I'm helping them with that. And I like working with founders directly because they see the direct value of working with me and they're really, they're much more excited and I, and I like working with purpose-led brands or people that want to make a positive impact and by that I don't necessarily mean positive impact in the way that a lot of people might think I mean positive impact on your staff positive impact on your investors your suppliers your you know looking after yourself I want to work with someone that believes in business as holistic um as a holistic thing you know yes I believe in making profit and, and I can help my clients make lots of profit but it's not just about that I don't want to just work with someone who wants to make loads of profit if I don't believe in what they're doing or, or if they're not looking after their staff or they pay their suppliers late. You know, all that kind of stuff I think is awful. And, you know, what I what I like to do is work with people that have got those same values and we have fun. And, yeah. you know, I've helped them find new opportunities. I help them save loads of money. And I help them scale their businesses, and, and I really love it. And at the moment, with coronavirus, it is quieter than normal. I was kind of fully booked before this all happened, and I had all my ducks in a row. I'm potentially going to be doing some non-exec director roles as well, which obviously is great for me because I've sat on the board of lots of businesses, including my well, lots of my own businesses and some of the businesses that bought me. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I just love it. And actually, a little side project, a little passion project that I've done during the coronavirus, and it's only going to be my second one, is connecting women in marketing. So I know you're going to come on one of the calls. We're just doing Zoom networking calls. And it reminded me, you know, because I, I used to have an agency, a media agency, which is the marketing space. I know so many people and I know so much about that industry. Um, and it's great to bring women together to support each other and collaborate and connect. 
So amazing. That's what I'm doing. Amazing. What about you? Tell me a bit about what. Oh. Tell me a bit about you. The rest of you, well, have we not got time? Maybe, I'm going to ask you on my podcast. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, the thing is, I am coming on your podcast, which is lovely. And obviously, I'd like to direct my listeners to your podcast when I'm on it. So we'll, we'll definitely do exactly, that. Exactly. We'll do, we'll do, we'll do a, a swap. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm excited to experience you as the podcast host. I hope I'm as good me. as you. I was just thinking, you're, I was just thinking you're a really good host. And I like the way you do it. So I might Thank get some you. tips from you. <laughs> Well, that's really nice of you. But look, I think for me, this conversation has just been so lovely because you are a dragon slayer. Please use that title with pride because you really are. Um, And it's not about what happened in the end. It's about the fact you put yourself out there in the first place and also learnt those lessons that we do learn in life, you know. So you're a very inspiring lady. So never forget that. I'm sure our listeners will agree. Oh, that's so sweet of you. You made my day, actually. Thank you. (laughs) Where can people find you, Emmy, if they want to connect with you? What's the best thing? I'll put the links in anyway. Yeah, I'm mainly on LinkedIn. That's where I like to hang out. So just LinkedIn and forward slash Emmy Faust. I've got my podcast, which is starting to scale with Emmy Faust, which you're going to come on. Um, And then I've got a great resource that I've just created, which is the ultimate guide to scaling your business. So for business founders who want to get from startup to seed funding to series a so you can go and find that on my website or on linkedin i love that so much thank you so much for coming thank on you. my that... podcast it's been thank amazing you. chatting about our experiences and listeners i hope you've enjoyed this epic episode because uh, you know it's not often two dragon slayers meet up together and chat through so make sure that if you listen to this podcast that you like it and you subscribe and you comment if you want to because we will answer all of your questions. And we are on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts as well. Um, So please tune in wherever you prefer and make sure that you listen to the next episode of The Human Conversation. Thanks for joining us and see you next time. Tada for now. You've just been listening to the Human Conversation podcast with Jules White. To find out more about the other work that Jules does, please visit her website, www.liveitloveitsellit.co.uk. And if you enjoyed the podcast, then please do leave a rating and review on the platform you use to enjoy her show. Thanks for listening and see you next time.